In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. The parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, Ezekiel 18.2. This is a proverb spouted by pagans in the Old Testament and said today in different words by unbelievers. unbelievers. It's an excuse. Our father's sins passed from generation to generation. An excuse. I can't help it. Look at Aunt Ethel before you start blaming me for something beyond my control. Another excuse. It's believing that no matter what we do or how we behave, we will be punished for the sins of our fathers. Let's try turning the tables. What if I'm wicked, but I come from faithful stock? Aunt Ethel was an outstanding church elder. Would I be able to have my sins pardoned on the strength of her piety? No, it only works the other way around. No, it doesn't work that way either. Listen to Ezekiel's message from God clearly given to the house of Israel. Know that all lives are mine. It's only the person who sins that shall die. He negates the sour grapes and child's teeth set on edge. The Lord will deal with the righteous and the wicked. So take heart. If you think you're at the mercy of your genes and dysfunctional family, you're not. You're at the mercy of God and your unruly mind. God, through the prophet Ezekiel, tells us in no uncertain terms and thousands of years ago, so it's not a new age thought, that we alone are responsible for our actions and our personal relationship with God. God understands us. He knows we're sinners and we'll do anything to wheedle our way out of punishment, to find an excuse any excuse so our miserable condition can be ascribed to anyone else's fault but our own. Here's the good news of the Old Testament. We can change with God's help. We and only we are responsible for our behavior. Stop believing in blind fate. Ignore Aunt Ethel and her wicked ways. Find instead the discriminating judgment of an all-holy God. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler and I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. Today is a beautiful autumn day, just the kind of weather I could do with all year round. Perhaps I should move to the equator. My guest today is Anita Malott, author of A New Devotional for Parents. We're going to be talking about her life under the mango trees of her beloved India, her journey to homeschooling and how she sustains herself both spiritually and mentally. I may get to my joke today. I know you don't believe there's a joke, but there is. Other things I may talk about include the longest book I've ever read, my reading group in Texas, the sale of our furniture, migrating birds, and people watching. So get your breakfast or your afternoon tea, depending on where you are today, and let's get started. As I said, the sun is streaming through my window at the moment. According to the English weathermen, we're in the grips of a record-breaking heat wave. And this is only day three. 
Bring on the Indian summer. The trees are starting to change colour, but not drop their leaves, so there's the full brilliance of their foliage right on the tree where they belong. Last evening, before it got dark, I was enjoying a cuppa outside, and my blue-eyed cowboy commented on the fact that we were on the flight path both to and from Heathrow and Gatwick. We don't get that many planes flying over, and when they do, it's usually first thing in the morning, but as he was talking, I looked up at the sound of birds passing overhead and saw a flock of swifts heading south. Oh, we're definitely on their flight path, I observed, and we spent the next several minutes watching flock after flock of these chattery little birds cross over our grounds bound for warmer climes. Hello, we're in a heat wave. You don't have to leave yet, I wanted to say. Some of the groups were small, six or seven birds jockeying to get ahead and nattering loudly. They're too busy talking to watch where they're going. Listen to them, said my cowboy, and they were. I recalled our son Simon at the age of 15 bringing home a cage full of grounded golden orioles from the animal shelter. He turned his charges into a science class for a week as we fed and watered the birds so that they could muster their strength to continue their journey south. They'd been caught by a very strong system of winds and blown off course and were exhaustedly dropping to the ground, literally, in an attempt to keep directionally true. The cage he brought home held about 20, and we were instructed to keep them for at least two days until the wind died down enough for them to continue. I know we were interfering with nature, but they were such an unusual distraction, and were always looking for ways to bring nature to our doorstep. And here it was, right under our noses. As they regained their breath, they treated us to their vocal melodies, and we became budding ornithologists and students of birdsong and territory. We meticulously recorded changes in their behaviour. They went from a quivering mass of battered feathered bones to an excited, restless group of caged birds in no time. After a few days, we set the cage outside and opened the door, and slowly the strongest ventured out and took flight. They sat in the woods bordering our grounds for a while, voicing their opinions before continuing on their way, none the worse for their sojourn. We were impressed. I wonder if they gave us a second thought as they winged their way to warmer climes. Well, during my walks and my travels, I've noticed some interesting parental behaviour while people watching. Parents sometimes bring the scourge of the toddler tantrum upon themselves when a few chosen actions could alleviate these meltdowns and save the ever-present public from involuntarily absorbing more noise than a fully loaded iPod can discharge into a willing ear. I've observed that it is the parents' apparently thoughtless behaviour. After all, I don't claim to know all the outside influences at play while I encounter these power struggles and not their child's often unwitting actions that causes the onset of a full-blown three-year-old's tantrum. I was riding the tram to Croydon, sitting opposite a father and his daughter on their way to Brighton. His little girl was all of three and they were going to have a lovely day by the sea. He had her scooter with him and a bag packed. She had her little backpack beside her. He kept brushing her hair from her face and rubbing moisturiser into her skin and fussing over her very attentively. She was basking in the attention. It was driving me nuts. Her hand was firmly nestled in his and she was soaking up everything going on around her silently. After about ten minutes, he took out a bag of crisps and a juice box and opened them for her. She ate her snack, sharing it with Dad, and when she'd finished, she took a large slurp of her juice. 
She sat back and pulled the straw out of her drink. Her father reached for her juice box to put the straw back in, but his daughter had other plans. She went into a quiet tantrum, you know, the kind where the head goes down, and she retreated somewhere between her father and the tram seat to hide from everything unpleasant going on around her. She was whining monosyllabic words of complaint. No, 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 she held on to the juice box. Her father was quite perturbed at the change of events and loudly wanted her to sit up and finish her drink through the straw. Otherwise, they wouldn't go to Brighton. Ouch. When their stop came, he prepared to alight, as they say here, dragged her from the tram, and that's the last I saw of the miserable little girl who only a moment ago had been so happy until she unwittingly pulled her straw from her juice box for reasons only she knew, causing an overreaction from her attentive father. I hope they went to Brighton. Then I was at Sainsbury's browsing the baking aisle and a young mother dressed in office attire, probably picking up a few groceries on her way home from work, was shopping with her three-year-old son. Well, not really with him. He'd been brought along because he had nowhere else to go. He was happy anyway. He'd found Shrek in a cardboard display and was having a lot of fun talking to this life-size cutout. His mother called him over to hurry along down the aisle with her, and he continued babbling about Shrek and doing a little dance. To me, he was delightful, but then I wasn't in a mothering hurry. After two calls, she finally walked over to him and pulled him after her by his arm. Yes, you can imagine. He set up a wailing that brought the shop to a standstill. And there you go. All efforts of continuing the hurried collection of dinner edibles were blown. Empty-handed mother and sobbing child hastily departed. At least she had some consideration for her fellow shoppers. How often have we done this ourselves, not only with children, but with loved ones and friends? And I'm not talking only about juice boxes or Shrek cutouts, but I am talking about insisting on things going our way, leading to a potential falling out and the ruination of the rest of the day, the business plan, the meeting or the visit. A tantrum could have been averted in both cases if the parent hadn't made such a big deal about getting their own way. What did it matter in the big scheme of things if the straw was in the juice box? What mattered was that the little girl was happy with it in her hand and unhappy when her father took it away. What about the three-year-old and Shrek? Toddlers don't take to change too well. He wasn't ready to leave his Shrek behind. A few moments would have saved the shopping trip. The trials and tribulations of raising children. I speak from experience and wonder what I'll be like when I get my second chance as Mama Viv, the name my grandchildren are going to know me by. We bought some more furniture. My oldest son says, this must be serious if you're buying furniture together. We got rid of all the living room Urkel, 20 items, and now we're like newlyweds with our cardboard boxes and card tables. I think our new stuff will arrive before our son descends next week. If not before, then while he's here, and then he can lend us the use of his magnificent muscles. By the way, his surgery, remember the appendectomy he had, was $19,000. How can the hospital justify that amount for less than a 24-hour stay and a one-hour surgery? And our youngest had a bit of a meltdown this week. Homesickness gripped her unexpectedly. She'd been at college three weeks and thought that she wasn't going to get homesick. She's finding everything difficult. The dance classes, the fact that she has to be at college from 9am till 5 in the evening. Just like a job, she said. She goes to, she goes to school, comes home, takes a shower, has something to eat. 
um, makes her lunch for the next day, then goes to bed, then gets up and goes to school all day. Oh, well. She also misses being away from Garland. She misses her boyfriend. She She's living with a new family, which is new. She's working at a restaurant, not having any money, not being able to choose which classes she takes or what she wants to eat for dinner. Oh, the joys of leaving home and branching out on your own. Well, it looks as though I'm going to have to go on a quick little break. And when I come back, I'm going to be talking with Anita Melot, who originally is from India. And she came here to America and she homeschools her daughter. So after these few little messages, I'll be right back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoz, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, is a show that passionately addresses the question, if the kingdom of heaven is not segregated, then why on earth is your local church? They call us down. Yes, increasingly, our diverse population and the diverse families it's producing is reshaping the face of the local church as people are beginning to recognize the power and beauty of walking, working, and worshiping God together with others of different backgrounds. How can your church overcome the obstacles, and why should you even try? Join a live chat with guests from around the country and the world to learn the effectiveness of churches in the 21st century beyond race and class distinction. This show has its pulse on what it will take for the church to find real reconciliation in our generation. So tune in for the Multi-Ethnic Church with Mark DeMoss, Thursday afternoons at 1, noon central, here on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, my guest today is Anita Mellot, the author of the new book, School is Where the Home Is, 180 Devotions for Parents. Her collection of anecdotal devotionals offers practical helps and biblical truths for fellow homeschooling parents. In her eighth year as a home educator, Anita has lived firsthand with the ups and downs, the joys and challenges of the homeschooling life. She leads a homeschool encouragement group and regularly contributes to Homeschool Enrichment, Crosswalk.com, and the Cypress Times. Before moving to the United States, Anita headed the Department of Journalism at Mount Carmel College, Bangalore, India. She's worked as a writer-editor with Habitat for Humanity International for 13 years. Welcome, Anita. It's my pleasure to welcome you to my show this morning. Thank you for having me, Vivian. Um, it's not too early, I hope, for you. Oh, not at all. Well, I good, have a little good. one who wakes up at the crack of dawn. So. Oh, you do? <laughs> I remember those <laughs> days when I didn't have to have an alarm clock. <laughs> Yeah, that's, those are good. All right, Anita, 
So first off, thank you very much um, for taking time to be on my show. I know you're very busy, but um, could you tell us a little bit um, about your childhood, where you grew up, and um, you know the kind of schooling that you had? Okay, I grew up in Bangalore, India. Mm-hmm. And I I attended a Christian private school. Mm-hmm. Um, my family was very um, focused on education, and I think that tends to be a common Southeast Asian focus. Education mm-hmm. is highly valued, and mm-hmm. so I grew up, you know, trying to do my best academically. I got my degree in Bangalore again at Mount Carmel College did a postgraduate degree in um, journalism and then went to the University of Windsor in Canada to study for my master's degree. Okay, and you studied for your master's in journalism as well? In communication studies. Okay. And then after I finished that, I went back to Bangalore and I worked for a bit in advertising and public relations. And then I ended up teaching journalism at Mount Carmel College, and I actually, those were the best years of my life teaching. And then oh, I met well, my husband and mm-hmm, came back and, here. And you met him in Bangalore as well? I did. It was actually an arranged marriage, <laughs> Indian mm-hmm. style. He was mm-hmm. working with Habitat for Humanity in India as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. And uh, my father met him and kind of arranged a meeting between him and me, and Six months later, we were married, and about a year and a half later, we were back in North America, where he felt led to come back, and we've been here ever since. So um, he had spent some time already in North America? He is um, North American, so... Oh, okay. Okay, so it was... Okay, so you're... Okay, so you called it an arranged marriage, and it was more like a matchmaker your father was acting as a matchmaker (laughs) yes he was in indian style (laughs) yeah indian style so i mean that's what all parents to be honest with you i think all parents would like to do that they would like to choose their mates for their children (laughs) i think so my 13 year old kind of shudders when she hears the story but (laughs) you know she's like oh don't do that to me Oh, but I, you know, I'm sure you had a choice. I'm sure if it, if it hadn't worked out, you would have gone, no, yes. no. And he yes. wouldn't have married you if it hadn't worked out either. So, yes. yeah, a lot of times, though, as parents, I think, um, you know, we can see a little bit further ahead. And, uh, you know, we just hope that our children have um, grown up with um, good enough values and a, a strong foundation to uh, know the kind of person that they, you know, sort of, can spend the rest of their lives with so we just put our trust in our children yes and you know we trust the lord to to guide them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so your childhood in bangalore now i've got some friends who live in bangalore and um, i have never been and i really would like to go but they say it's beautiful it's called the garden of india yes the garden city of india Yes, so d- describe that a little bit. You, d- you talk on your website about um, mangoes and a mango tree. So um, I imagine a lot of green, a lot of trees, and um, does it rain a lot? Tell me a little bit about it. Okay. Um, actually, Bangalore used to be almost like, you know, a summer vacation place for the British Raj when they were in mm-hmm. India. And mm-hmm. it's a very, there are areas in Bangalore that are, completely only gardens. In fact, Lalbagh is one of Bangalore's premier garden uh, mm-hmm. areas, and 
there's it's just beautiful with all kinds of beautiful trees and in fact when I was growing up we had a mango tree and a bougainvillea tree and a guava tree and you know there were lots of lots of foliage and beautiful trees and flowers and I love to climb the mango tree mm-hmm. and pick some of the mangoes and then just watch people walking to and fro mm-hmm. watching life go by mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so Bengal so, is a beautiful city unfortunately it it's not that way you know these days because of the rapid growth in Bangalore mm-hmm. and it's also called Silicon Valley now Oh, really? So, and when I visited Bangalore a few years ago, I was just amazed at the change in the city because it's very industrialized, very modern. We have Mm -hmm. malls and shopping centers and some of the old historical places are giving way to the modern and the new. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I, I still remember the Bangalore of old and wish it was the same, but life goes on. Well, it's the same here in England. I, I mean, I'm, I'm living here now for the first time in 26 years. And mm-hmm. um, although there are still some parts that I remember that are, you know, from my childhood, London itself is completely different, the city of London. And, mm. uh, you know, the people and just everything, just everything is, is completely different to what I remember. So I think change is inevitable. It is. It is. I'm glad we right. have good memories. Yes, I know. And and some you can still find those little pockets of your homeland that remind you of your childhood and you can hang on to those. So. Yes. All right. So um, had you um, heard of homeschooling before you came to America? What made you decide to um, homeschool? Actually, when I was um, an international student in Canada, I lived with a Canadian family and they homeschooled. And that was the first I heard of homeschooling. And to be honest, Vivian, I thought it was a little strange. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that, you know, I'm never going to do, do something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, fast forward several years after that, and we came back to the U.S. and had our first child. And, you know, as she grew, I just sensed in my heart that we needed to homeschool. And I actually fought against that a good bit because I had my own career going. And that's Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do, to continue Mm -hmm. to be a writer and editor and travel and, Mm -hmm. you know, be a professional. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my husband and I began to pray and he started sensing that we should homeschool as well. And so finally, a little reluctantly and very nervously, (laughs) we... Mm-hmm. began homeschooling her when she was five. So she didn't ever go to school? She went to preschool for a year or two, mm-hmm. um, but we brought her back home and we've homeschooled her since kindergarten, yes. And um, I know you had um, some hesitation about um, homeschooling, not not only what you just explained to me, but because she was an only child, you know? Yes. We were worried about the socialization aspect. You know, that's Mm -hmm. a big thing, you know, big question everyone has when they hear that you homeschool. And Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, that was one of our concerns, were we doing the right thing? You know, even Mm -hmm. though we kind of sense God's calling, I tend to second-guess myself a lot, (laughs) wondering if I am doing the right thing. 
But you know, now that we've moved to Atlanta, there's a huge homeschooling group. Um, there are so many different opportunities available, and I have to say that most of the homeschoolers I've come across and met, I think their kids uh, can err on the side of over-socialization if there's anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. come across any homeschool child who is not social. Well, I, I feel exactly the same way. I, had, I homeschooled um, all four of my children. That was always a question. And this is while they are getting on really well with adults and peers and children of different ages. And we're at the theater um, working and people still, you know, used to come yeah. up to me and say, well, what do you do about socialization? I'm going to look around you. Where are we? What, look at my exactly. children. And, and you know, it's just that little... Know- Yes, I think because we have them with us 24-7 and they go where we go and you meet other people and adults, I feel like homeschool kids have a better handle on life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, they do. And um, you know what? They may be a little sheltered and they may be a little immature, but, you know, that goes really quickly once they get into their 20s. And then they've got the rest of their life ahead of them. I just, I just want them to be children while they're children, you know, not yeah. grow up too quickly. So that's yeah. perfectly all right. Um, what suggestions um, now, based on your own experience of your, your hesitation, your reluctance for homeschooling, so what suggestions would you have for somebody who may be considering homeschooling that's listening in right now and is feeling the same reluctance that you're feeling? Well, you know, I think that if you feel that sense to homeschool, then explore whatever options you have for homeschooling. Um, Try and connect with other homeschoolers in the area or even online. Get get their suggestions, recommendations. And, you know, and if if you're a Christian, pray about it. If you have a faith-based decision, pray about your homeschooling decision. And because I know that if God calls you to do something, he will certainly help you through it. I mean, I do, you know, still approach every homeschooling year with a little bit of nervousness. But mm-hmm. I know over the last nine years, that, you know, my fears have been unfounded because mm-hmm. there's so much support available online, mm-hmm. in local areas. There's so many books in the library and in bookstores, so, much, so many curricula available that I think homeschooling is definitely a viable option for anyone. And I don't mm-hmm. think one needs to be concerned about the fact that one isn't qualified enough because there are so many helps out there for anyone who would like to explore the option of homeschooling. And so um, you're saying to um, reach out maybe into your community and um, find other people who are homeschooling and talk to them before you make your decision. Because, you know, the decision really is is your decision. It's not um, something that's right for everybody. And I know know that, but just deep down inside, there's a little niggle that says, well, I don't know. I think homeschooling, you know, could work for most people. They just are frightened. Yes, and, you know, it's a very individual decision, as Mm -hmm. you said. I agree with that. It doesn't work for everyone, and I don't think there's any guilt or condemnation if you don't feel like homeschooling isn't for you. All right. Anita, we need to go on a short break now, but when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. 
Okay, thank you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Doginet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Anita, um, over the past couple of years, I've spoken to a lot of mothers um, who have shared their varied reasonings for choosing homeschooling. And those who particularly touch my heart are the mothers who keep their children home with them, um, who have serious physical or mental health issues. And one week, I met a fantastic lady who told me that she homeschools because of her bad health. I'd never, I'd never found anybody who had homeschooled for that reason before. And in fact, we had to reschedule her interview a couple of times because she just didn't have the strength to talk to me. And I know that you too, you have an autoimmune problem um, and you still, and you homeschool your daughter. Did First off, did your health also um, sort of, was, was it part of your decision to homeschool? No, I, I got a, a couple of years ago. Okay, so during your homeschooling? Yes. Yes. And, you know, Vivian, it certainly is a challenge homeschooling when the primary educator isn't feeling well. But what I've found is that one of the blessings of homeschooling is the flexibility it it offers. Because on the days that I'm not feeling well, Mm -hmm. you know, my daughter can do her reading by herself. Mm -hmm. When I'm feeling better, she can come and we can do math. 
or mm-hmm. logic or Latin. And one of the other things is that as she's growing older and as she matures, she, she's becoming more of an independent, self-motivated learner, which um, helps a lot with homeschooling. I think every parent wants their children to become independent and self-motivated in learning. Mm-hmm. And this year, we actually last year, we started a course called Classical Conversations, mm-hmm. where the child... Children meet once a week with a tutor who sets them up for work through the week. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of accountability on her, on their part and our part as well. But it's helped a lot, especially this year over the last few months. I started chemotherapy, mm-hmm. and I just some days I don't have much energy. <laughs> Whatever energy I have is focused on homeschooling and trying to keep up with what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I find that. You know, there's a lot of accountability and support within the homeschool community itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I really encourage moms who may not be feeling up to par, you know, homeschooling can still work. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I do believe that when God calls you to do something, He will enable you and empower you to do that. Absolutely. And I've seen that in my own life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've mm-hmm. heard people say, well, you know, if you're not well, maybe you should put her in school. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't feel that call yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the other lady that I spoke to who was um, homeschooling her children because she wasn't well, she said to me it would be more work for her to get her children up and out to school in the morning than it was for her to stay at home and homeschool her children. She said she did it from her bed. She, she could do it from her bed and she wouldn't have to worry about getting her children prepared. And I had never thought of it like that, you know, and she has a lot of mm-hmm. detractors around her who say, oh, I don't know why you don't just don't put your children, you know, in school. Yeah. And she, she was the, I mean, talk about faith. She had so much faith. And this is what you're talking about. She really, really knew that this is what she was meant to be doing. And um, she, was, she was at peace. Yes. You know, three years ago, I was pregnant with our second child, and it was a high-risk pregnancy. I was on bed rest for most of the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and my older girl, we still homeschool, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And at the end of the year, you know, whatever we had m- missed out on, we kind of caught up on over the summer break. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I usually give my children a standardized test every year just to make sure that they're on par with what the other kids in the area are and mm-hmm. just to make sure we're, we're where we should be. And, you know, her test scores didn't reveal any holes in any area. No, <laughs> so no, it doesn't. I, you know, homeschooling <laughs> does work no matter oh, what the family yeah. situation may be. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, let's talk about your book. Now, I'm not surprised that you wrote a book, but um, how did the idea for a devotional come about and not a guide to homeschooling? Well, I think there are enough books out there that guide you with homeschooling. Mm -hmm. I wanted something that was inspirational, something that would encourage homeschool parents every homeschool day. Because sometimes, you know, when we face the not-so-good homeschooling moments, you kind of can get a little down and wonder why you're doing this or did God mm-hmm. really call you to this path? And mm-hmm. I just wanted to provide parents with 
a reminder that God is with us each step of our homeschooling journey. Mm-hmm. And he will continue to empower us and sustain us on this road. So my goal was to provide encouragement and inspiration for homeschool parents. So how is your book different? Because there are a lot of devotionals out there. So how does your book set itself apart from maybe other homeschool devotionals or other devotionals? Well, for one thing, I it's anecdotal. Most mm-hmm. of the devotions are based on experiences that have happened in our homeschool or other mm-hmm. families' homeschools. And I've been very transparent in my struggles and my ups and downs with the homeschooling life. Just feeling that if I am transparent, it may help others realize too that it's okay when you hit those bad times or even those highs because God is still with you. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is that I offer practical inspiration as well. You know, when I talk about for a few devotionals where I deal with the time we hit a block in math. Mm-hmm. I mean, so what were some of the practical steps we took to overcome that block? Mm-hmm. Or what happens when we hit frustration? Mm-hmm. Or what about when my little toddler came on the scene and you know, disrupted homeschool for the first six months. How did we deal with that? (laughs) You know, so Uh things like that that I feel are not just inspirational and biblical, but also practical. So 180 devotions would take you through the year weekdays, Monday through Friday through the year? Exactly, exactly, through 180 school days. Yes. And um, do you have a particular date on any of them, or can you just start at any time? Oh, you can start at any time. It's just labeled day one, day two. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you yeah. can just grab it and go wherever you are in your homeschool journey. So um, do you have something that you can share with us from your book? Sure. Um, I chose a devotion called He Watches Over Me. And the Bible reading is from Psalm 121 and verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Mm -hmm. Several four- to five-year-olds clustered around a Lego table, oblivious to the worship band on the screen in the family area of our church. A little girl leaned forward to grab one of the trains. She slipped and ended up under the table with a chair on top of her. Her eyes grew wide. But before a cry escaped her lips, her father covered the length of the room and swept her into his arms. He held her in one arm while he righted the chair. Then he swung her to him, looked her up and down, and smiled. Turning her away from him, he sat her in the chair. Within seconds, she was engrossed with the Lego toys again. He drew up a chair a little way behind her and sat there for the rest of the service. I don't remember the sermon or the songs we sang that Sunday, but an image is still fresh in my mind. A father watching over his daughter as he sat close enough to help if needed, far enough not to hover. It reminds me that I'm not alone in my life or in my home school. My father is near, close enough to reach out and steady me when I stumble or pick me up when I fall. He counsels me, instructs, and guides each step I take. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Psalm 121, verses 7 to 9. Hmm. And the digging deeper question says, What reassurance does Psalm 121 offer you as you homeschool? 
And this this really meant a lot to me, Vivian, because when I saw that incident happen at church, it just hit me that God is with us no -hmm. matter what we face. And He is watching over us. And so if He's called me to homeschool, He will be with me through those ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And He stands ready. That was lovely. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. And um, where can somebody find your book to buy? It's available on Amazon in the U.S. and the U.K. Mm-hmm. Um, in okay, the US, so they just go available. to Amazon? Yes, Amazon.com. Amazon. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in the U.S. it's available, you know, at major bookstores, Barnes & Noble, oh, really? Lifeway. So how long ago was it published? Was it just published this year? Yes, it actually released on the 15th of June this year. Oh, well, it's, and you're doing well, I can hear. I hope so. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Well, you know, I, I think the thing, because, you know, homeschooling mums and all mums actually are very busy. And um, having something short like that, you know, you've got your Bible verse and then you've got this nice um, sort of devotional to get you thinking and um, then ends with a little deeper thought um, is, is just perfect because, you know, we don't have time to spend a long time reading, you know, sort of a long chapter of a book or something. This kind of just kind of gives us something to think about for the rest of the day. And, um, you know, that, that father image is, is just wonderful. My father, um, when I walked into a room, he would, his face would light up and he'd immediately instinctively stand mm-hmm. up to either move over to have me sit next to him or let me have mm-hmm. his chair. And I thought I was at church one day and I was listening to this priest talking about, um, you know, um, God was a harsh, you know, judging God. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see God like that. I see him Mm -hmm. like my father. And I I imagine myself, you know, at the gates of heaven and him taking one look at me and his face lighting up Mm -hmm. and standing up and moving over and saying, Vivian, come and sit next to me here. So, you know, that's the image I have too. And I I think um, your image, um, when you saw that father and that young child and other people in that um, church are going to say, yes, that's my loving father. Father in heaven too, you know, he is mirroring mirroring that for us. So that was um that was lovely. Well, Anita, um we have to go on another break and when we come back I have a couple more questions um for you. And um so if you can come back for about five more minutes um just after these messages. Okay, thank you. Thank you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. How to invest, where to invest, where to save, where to get the right insurance, what to do about taxes. Should I relocate my business or ever purchase a property? That's where Go To My Radio Show comes in. Join host Chris Holt Tuesday afternoons at 1 Pacific, 3 Central on GoToMyRadioShow.com. Choose the right financial professional and learn more about the products and services while learning the terminology and strategies used by these professionals. Go To My Radio Show is unbiased and Chris Holt, your host, will ask 
Ask the hard questions and take calls to help you connect with the right professional who can help you better handle your financial and business choices. Go to my radio show is not a financial services company and does not offer any financial advice, but we will help you make the right choice when it comes to planning your financial future. And most of all, choosing the right program and the right professional for you. Go to my radio show with Chris Holt Tuesday afternoons at 1 Pacific, 3 Central on GoToMyRadioShow.com. Want to be challenged in a powerful way to leap beyond what you think is possible? Then join us Mondays for the Leah Jansen Show. Every Monday at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com with Leah Jansen. Listen live as life coach Leah uses her coaching skills to give you the tools you need to take action and create momentum. You are encouraged to call in and share your greatest fears, challenges, and obstacles. And then listen as Leah obliterates those barriers to success. For more on Leah and the show, check out her website, leahjansen.com. That's Leah, L-E-A-H, J-A-N-T-Z-E-N.com. Spend one hour with Leah, and you'll be captivated by her energy, enthusiasm, and magnetism. You'll quickly become addicted to her positive attitude and make-it-happen mentality. Ready for a life-changing, mood-altering show? Then get ready for Leah Jansen. And listen live to The Leah Jansen Show every Monday morning at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. All right, Anita, um, before I let you go, I have to ask you, um, could you tell us what your greatest challenge in homeschooling has been so far? Ooh, probably choosing which battles to fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard being a teacher and a mom sometimes and switching mm-hmm. between the two roles. Mm-hmm. And it's just difficult. Um, and I constantly have to pray for discernment or knowing what to pursue with her. For example, do I insist on the paper being rewritten because mm-hmm. her handwriting was a little messy? Or do I insist on her cleaning her room today? <laughs> Which battle yes. should I choose today? <laughs> so that's probably my greatest challenge. And what was your what's your greatest blessing so far? Oh, just being home with my kids, Vivian. To mm-hmm. see them grow, to see them mature, to be there when they take their first steps and they read their first words and just just having that time with them because time is you know, life goes by so quickly, and we never know what life brings our way. And just to be able to be with them and make memories and watch them grow and develop is just such a blessing. And do you miss your job? Actually, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have enjoyed writing on the uh-huh. side in my spare time between midnight and five in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't miss working at all. Not at all. I do write now and then and freelance mm-hmm. here and then. I wrote this book. But yeah. to me, my greatest joy is being home with the kids and I have no regrets. 
And I heard you say that um, you talked about Latin and logic and you talk about classical conversation. So it sounds to me as though the curriculum that you are using or, or the um, – you, you, are you using a set curriculum or are you putting it together yourself? Yeah, the, the last two years we have used a set curriculum. It's a program mm-hmm. called Classical Conversations and okay. everything is taken care, for, care of yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did um, the classical, I did the trivium, and mm-hmm. um, that was, you know, sort of all the, the logic and the rhetoric and the, the Latin yeah. and the whole books and, you know, and, you know, I just loved it. I thrived on it. But yeah. um, as some of my children got older, it was obvious that, you know, they really, <laughs> they really weren't interested in learning all of that good old classical stuff. We stuck with Latin. But so I was able to incorporate it in different ways, but I didn't actually formally do it. So, you know, I was, I was a little bit more flexible as the children mm-hmm. got older and, and voiced their opinions. Because, I mean, they're the ones that are, you know, exactly. that are learning and that, that you know, can direct what they want to do yes. and, and that and so yes. you know i and was I thriving we, in it <laughs> yeah and i think that you know that's one of the joys of homeschooling because you get to work within your child's um learning style and personality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right that's right yeah. well this morning my guest has been anita mallot i never asked you how you pronounce that your last name it's mallot a lot. Um, yeah. um, Anita grew up in India, devouring books and mangoes, she says. She trained as a journalist and worked as a writer-editor with Habitat for Humanity International for 13 years. And she's in her eighth or ninth year as a home educator and has first-hand experience of the ups and downs, the joys and challenges of the homeschooling life. She is not a stranger to the power of gentle, godly encouragement, and she leads a homeschool group and regularly contributes to Homeschool Enrichment, Crosswalk and the Cypress Times. She is the author of a new book, School is Where the Home Is, 180 Devotions for Parents, and you can find it on Amazon.com. And um, it's a collection of anecdotal devotionals offering practical help and biblical truths for fellow homeschooling parents. Anita, thank you so much for sharing such a powerful story with me and my listeners today. And I wish you every success in your book and pray that you have a blessed weekend. Thank you so much for having me, Vivian, and God bless. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Well, now for something completely different, I am going to tell you this joke that I've been wanting to tell you for the last several weeks. It appealed to my English sense of humor. It's about a dog. And um, see if you agree with me that it's quite funny. There was a farmer who decided he wanted a gun dog that he could train to do something no other farmer's dog could do. He just wanted to be the talk of the village and the recipient of several admiring pints at the local. So he went and bought this gem of a dog, a little puppy, and she was very clever. She grew into a sturdy and uniquely trained golden lab named Meg. And the farmer was excited to show her off the next time he and his cronies went duck hunting. Winter rolled around and the farmer and his cronies decided it was high time for a good roast duck on the Sunday lunch table. So out they went on the lake in their boats and waited in the pre-dawn. Just as the sky was beginning to lighten, a flock of ducks flew overhead on their way to the fields beyond. Each of the farmers took a shot and several landed plop in the water. Now was the moment our farmer had been waiting for. Go get it, Meg, he told his dog, and off she went out of the water, walking on the water. 
She retrieved the first duck and trotted proudly back with it in her mouth and clambered into the boat, dry as a bone. At another signal from her master, she climbed out of the boat again and walked on the water to where another duck had been landed. She walked proudly back to the boat with the duck in her mouth and climbed back into the boat, still dry. After the last of the ducks had been brought back safely by the clever walking-on-water gundog Meg, she sat next to her master, wagging her tail, not a water drop in sight, and he patted her head. Good job, Meg. Then he turned to his cronies and asked, Well, did you notice anything special about my dog? The farmers were silent, shaking their heads and looking at one another. Finally, one spoke up. Well, yeah. That stupid dog of yours doesn't know how to swim, does she? See, that was funny, I thought. Well, I talked earlier about people-watching, one of my favourite pastimes as a pedestrian, on my own two feet. I'm treated to a wider range of human behaviour than I'm used to from the safety and speed of my car. And my brave Texan and I were travelling in the underground yesterday following signs. His blue eyes are quite proficient at finding the way. He knows the names of the lines and their associative colours and where they go in the big scheme of the extensive labyrinths of tracks and can navigate the escalators that tirelessly get us from level to level. He hardly ever has to stop to look at a map now. He knows we need to travel east on the district line, which is green, from Victoria to Embankment, where it's a short hike to Covent Garden and the Apple Store, for example, where we've been twice this week with my MacBook. Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? We follow the lead of the other Brits travelling with us and tend to surge forward on our journey without a sideways glance at those around us. But my handsome cowboy exudes a kind of helpful aura for all his surging and a woman waylaid him and asked abruptly where's platform three in the train to waterloo he tried to answer her but it wasn't quick enough and she flapped her hand impatiently at him and said oh go back to where you belong and rushed off in the opposite direction human behavior can be astounding well we ignored her rudeness and continued to the apple store where i was able to learn all about how to manage my photographs in iphoto and numerous other places where i least expect them to stumble to stumble across them on my laptop. I was most impressed by the service, all free, and have successfully followed the instructions patiently given to me by a young man who knew everything there is to know about MacBook but never needed to write it down. How do they keep all that stuff stored in their brain hard drives? I took notes furiously as he slowly dictated them to me step by step. A fine example of patience. His mother would be proud of him. Human behaviour can be uplifting. And thanks, Steve, for the wonderful job you did with your talent and Apple. Did you know he had to step down from his chief executive position with the company you founded and grew because of ill health? Keep him in your prayers. The world would be a different place without him and all his eye products. Human behavior is remarkable. And I finished the longest book ever this week. Margaret Mitchell's Gone with the Wind. Ever read it? Well, with over 400,000 words, there's no whizzing through it, and the film leaves so much out. I hadn't remembered the ending from when I first read it, at the tender age of 16, but I loved every page this time around, hating to rush the read, but wanting to finish so that I could discuss it with my reading group earlier in the week. I kept a Skype rendezvous with my group, and we were able to maintain video throughout the 90 minutes I stayed up. I was quite impressed, and yes, I was still awake at 1am my time, I decided not to go to sleep and then risk not waking up or waking up and not wanting to get up. My connection was great. 
I, the laptop was at, at the other end, was given a seat at the head of the table um, at the house where the group was meeting, where I could see all my friends eating their snacks and drinking their wine. Three of us had read the book before in high school, and we were all really surprised at how differently we remembered it and how our views of the characters had changed with the intervening years. Of course, we were now married with children who had left home and were getting married themselves. I had a really good time connecting with my friends after four months. What a wonder technology is, even though I don't understand it. I crept into bed at 3 a.m. my time, happy and tired. And uh, the next day, my son was amazed. He said, you stayed up until what time, Mum? And I said, yes, I know. But my daughter was online. What time was it? About 2.30 when I finished. So it was like 8.30 her time. No, yeah, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Yeah, 8.30 her time. So I was able to talk to her 8.30 in the evening. So that was nice. Well... It looks as though I've done it again. Where did my hour go? I'm going to have to wrap up, but come back same time, same place next week. I'm off to Bromley um, to look for some long thermal underwear because they're warning us that this is going to be a really bad Christmas, not Christmas, winter, not just Christmas, whole winter. And uh, with the beautiful weather the way it is right now, I'm sure people are going to be looking askance at me as I'm buying long underwear, but oh well. And then I have to prepare for the next few shows since I have two of my three children whom I left behind in Texas visiting me this month and I'll want to play with them and not sit at a computer screen all day. I also have to do unpleasant jobs like cleaning and shopping. Perhaps my lovely cowboy will help me. Well, I know he will. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight. Our four children who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas. Have a safe journey, Simon. The hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Anita Malott, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Sarah, and many others who are part of my growing audience. Remember to listen to my friend Sandy Fowler, host of Heartfield Holidays, Mondays at 1 p.m. Central, and my host pal, Ali Laprit, later on this afternoon at 5. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Do, do, do. Thank you for joining us for the Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Tokyo.